Content warning. No Gods, No Monsters contains profanity, substance use, and a strong hatred for the police. We did this. We drilled the bottom of the ocean. Now we took too much. And now she's taking back. to this podcast knows that you're a huge fan of snow charlie like snow in movies uh yeah i mean all kaiju boys love snow so whenever snow appears in a kaiju movie it's especially exciting that's that's true it's a fact um well this movie underwater has lots of water which is just snow at a different temperature so i thought you'd like it that's why i picked it yeah i mean i've always referred to water as a boring man snow boring man he'll do uh if if water's boring man so what do you what do you call ice is it thinking man snow oh it maybe steam is thinking man it seems like steam is thinking man snow yeah that works okay so if water is boring man snow and steam is thinking man snow what do you call ice a domestic terrorist organization of course oh welcome to no gods no monsters uh, this is an anti-capitalist kaiju and giant monster podcast uh, where, like, nothing's scripted. And um, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was an organic exchange between us originally that we decided to turn into a script. <laughs> That's true. A little peek behind the, the curtain. <laughs> um, I'm Rabbit. This guy's Charlie. And today we're talking about 2020's Underwater. Charlie, what's this movie about? At some point in the future, capitalism's inexorable appetite has led humanity to the deepest, most unexplored regions of the planet to ravish the earth of its natural resources. The corporation Tian, or Tian, I don't think they pronounce it in the movie, has built drilling stations at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, 36,000 feet deep. God knows how many leagues. At the bottom of the Mariana Trench, what? I was just saying I could tell you how many leagues. At the bottom of the Mariana Trench, 36,000 feet, God knows how many leagues <laughs> under the sea. Rumor has it that there have been mysterious explosions, tremors, and sightings of strange creatures, but Tyan dismisses these as natural occurrences and bullshit. Cut to Nora, a mechanical engineer in the drilling station. An explosion has caused the station to get all sorts of fucked up, and she makes a run for it along with worker comrades Paul and Rigo. Meeting the station captain, Lucian, along with Smith and Emily, the group must formulate a plan to walk along the ocean floor to another station with escape pods. Along the way, they encounter scary, fishy hellspawn, and quite a few of the group die while making sacrifices and shit. 
Eventually, they discover the origin of the creatures, a gigantic, godlike entity from a star way beyond our solar system, which has resided in the ancient city of Rayla. Smith and Emily escape while Nora sacrifices herself in an attempt to destroy the monster. The end. It's been a while, but a film where I can finally pronounce the names of the cast and crew. So, kaiju heads, always remember, that is not dead which can eternal lie, and with strange eons even death may die. And, in his house at Rayla, dead Cthulhu waits dreaming. So yeah, I I really wanted to watch this movie, because, uh without knowing anything about it because like you and I have talked about how it'd be great to watch a kaiju movie like there's so many kaiju movies where it's like hinting at what the bad guy is or what the monster is but we know from the poster or the name or from from knowing about movies so it was awesome to watch one I have no idea and then when I saw it was Cthulhu at the end I was just so stoked because I knew you fucking love Cthulhu got Cthulhu tattooed on you Lovecraft fan, all that. So I wanted, I was just like, we gotta do this one next. Yeah, and we watched it together, and your reaction was fucking great. Uh, <laughs> when you realized it was Cthulhu, you're like, is that is that a giant monster? Like, what giant monster? And you're like, is that fucking Cthulhu? I was like, yeah, it is. You're like, are you kidding me? It was just so sick. Yeah, um, I was uh, I was texting a lady throughout the entire movie, and that definitely made me drop my phone. And then afterwards, I was just like, oh, this motherfucking monster in this. I text her like, this fucking monster, this movie is tattooed on me. And she's like, how did you not know that beforehand? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, because we do these. Yeah, I mean, for the slot where we were watching this movie, we had to wait like a month or something before from when I said we should watch it to when we watched it. And I just kept being like, do not Google it. Do not look at the poster. Do not look at anything. And it worked. Yeah, I mean, uh, inevitably, I had uh, uh, I ended up looking at the poster, but the poster I saw was just like a giant mouth, like in the background. So I thought it was like a giant whale or shark creature. So that threw me off even more. Hell yeah, that's great. So yeah, obviously, uh, I hope you all knew that. But spoiler mm-hmm. alert: uh, <laughs> this movie is a Cthulhu movie. Um, <laughs> What are your other general thoughts and feelings on this on this movie besides your initial reaction? So, um, I'm sure I'm going to bring this back up when I'm rating it and you're going to get mad at me and tell me I'm taking too long. Um, and the audience is going to agree with agree with Literally you. Literally never happened. <laughs> uh, but I don't feel like I gave this film a proper viewing. I watched it 3 times, but the first time was with you while drinking while texting a lady the second time was watching it with commentary and the third time was watching it with light on while taking notes and this is a it's supposed to be a suspenseful scary movie so i don't an atmospheric movie so i don't feel like i gave it a a proper watch um as viewed by the artistic creators uh and that that is a shame because that's the good thing about this movie like, yeah there's the human stories whatever the monster's cool but only because it's like oh cthulhu like <clears throat> the, there are awesome visuals but yeah it's all the visuals and the suspense and how it mm-hmm. all builds together into kind of this journey so fuck man i i'm sorry i stole that from you i mean it's not just that it's just i don't sure. you know a week to watch this a little over a week to watch this you know 
three times is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I should have tried to set aside another time to give it a, a, a actual watch of how it's supposed to be seen, and I didn't do that. Um, well, so. I think if you give it some time and rewatch it again, I think it'll still work because they do that really well in this movie, I think. And I watched it once alone in the dark, headphones on, no idea what it was about, and had a fun ride. And then I watched it with you, and it was fun, but it was definitely, like, we're talking, it wasn't as high quality because you were sending it to me, like, it just wasn't as immersive, and it wasn't, it didn't feel like a good movie. Uh Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, man, like, I, this movie was fun, but I don't really want to watch it a third time, but, like, I have to take notes, like, I usually do that on the second watch. So I watched it a third time, again in the dark and stuff, and it was the most enjoyable of the three. Like, it was, I was, like, picking up more things, but it was also, like... Yeah, that's the best part is, like, this movie is a straight-up ride. It, yeah. it reminds me of Cloverfield in how it's, like, it's less of, like, I'm thinking about a plot structure or, like, an overarching story. It's more like I'm being taken through this thing, and it does it really well. So I'm excited for you to get to do that at some point. Yeah, I definitely will because, I mean, I enjoyed it, and I could definitely see while watching it, like, this would be a lot cooler to give a proper viewing to i guess totally Um, i also wanted to mention before we got started like i just said i watched this with the commentary which was with the uh director william eubanks oh shit i didn't write down their full names um jared something (laughs) who's uh an associate producer and a concept artist and phil something who they said is a contributor in many crazy ways, but they never specified which, and both him and Jared are not listed on the, uh, in any of like the cast or crew listings. Oh, interesting. Um, when I, when I like looked up on, on a more general view online, I'm sure like if I went to maybe IMDB where they have like a full list or something, or if I looked at the, the full cast list at the end, um, maybe it would list them. So, Oh, oh, also, uh, we're going to talk about H.P. Lovecraft, so I want to mention I some of the stuff I, I'm, I'll talk about is from uh, the new annotated H.P. Lovecraft uh, put together by Leslie Klinger. He has two volumes of uh, annotated Lovecraft that has 50-something stories out of like the 70-something stories that Lovecraft wrote in his lifetime, and I... Highly recommend those two collections. Wait, what's his last name? Leslie Klinger. C-L-I-N-G-E-R? K. Oh, okay. I wonder if that's what they named the monsters, at, the Klingers after. Is that what they're called, Klingers? Yeah, they're called Klingers, the the huh. smaller ones. We'll get into that more, but that's just a weird coincidence. Probably not, but interesting. Probably not. I, Probably because they cling on to Cthulhu, yeah. but... I, I'm not aware of... Uh, these are both newer um, editions that have come out in the last uh, few years or so, and I'm not aware of him as like a longtime uh, Lovecraft uh, uh, scholar, like uh, an S.T. Joshi, who's kind of the more known one. But yeah, sweet. I don't have any sources other than the movie and Lovecraft's stories. Oh yeah, uh, also H.P. Lovecraft himself. That's also a source of mine. Cool. Well, you were talking about how you didn't give this a proper viewing. So with that in mind, what did you still generally think of it? I really um, enjoyed it. There isn't a lot of 
depth to it, I guess, because it's just like a... Oh! <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty... I'm a, I'm a clever kind of guy. Um, it's just like a, a roller coaster ride, basically, the entire time. In fact, like, the majority of the exposition is, like, in the opening credits. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was fun seeing the, the reveal of all the monsters. Um, it, it seems the all have been put together really well uh there's some a lot of it, the whole thing looks pretty uh gorgeous and uh the, the sets are great uh and i loved seeing uh cthulhu as i always do so it was it was <laughs> you, and that was just all. that was a uh, what i was just as you always do because you see cthulhu yep. all the time <laughs> i mean he's referencing quite a bit true he's in a a trilogy of south park episodes um, i just the way you said it he's on my reason, ankle i god this wind is gonna be loud for some reason the way you said it made me picture you like walking out of the front door with like your briefcase in a suit and like Cth- like looking over the white picket fence and cthulhu is like waving as he like passes by like just like oh, i like seeing him when i see him um but i mean i guess that's not what you meant that's not that's not 100 percent accurate but accurate, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I I, I definitely enjoyed it. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel kind of the same. I don't... I wasn't expecting to really like it at all. I just thought it was going to be a dumb disaster movie. And I was surprised by how the little bit they give you I did like. And the visuals are just amazing. The designs, like you said, are amazing. The CGI in this, they... Obviously, a lot of it's, like, hidden behind darkness, but it's really good. And... Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just, I enjoy the ride. There's, I feel like there's a lot missing. There's a lot of things they bring up. It's kind of clunky. There's things they bring up, they never bring up again. There's things that just feel like they're missing. Themes are kind of half introduced, but for the ride aspect, I like that. Um, so yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like things are hidden in the dark, but that's like, yeah, kind of that's, that's good. And in my opinion, that's an attribute, like this is in this mysterious unexplored area that would be dark and it's just uh, uh these unknown creatures that we're unleashing uh through our drilling and i i feel like that that half seen in the dark is an attribute to it absolutely i, I agree well should we jump right into talking about monsters and effects as uh van halen said jump Okay, so one of the things I'm most confused by in this movie, so I just want to get it out of the way right away, is I don't understand, I'm always wanting to, like, classify which monsters are which, and I'm really confused. Like, I know Cthulhu's Cthulhu, and then I know there's the humanoid ones, and I know there's the small squid-looking one that they find, and then there's, at one point, she sees a bigger-looking squid one. Are, Are all the small ones different stages of the same beast or are they three different beasts it's so confusing to me i mean i think cthulhu is a different beast entirely yes uh, it seemed in that last shot yeah i don't know because or not in the last shot but like at the end like you see like the creatures like crawling off of him so it's, it seemed like they were like spawned from cthulhu himself but no, then yeah, but- that that also brings more mystery into like, are those are this little squiddy boys uh, related to them or not? I I have no idea. I kind of assumed going through it that they were, but then the fact that you see like the humanoids spawn 
themselves from Cthulhu that's like, well, then that that makes it make less I don't sense. think you see them spawn. I think they just hide in those holes and they're coming out. They're like parasites. Right. You don't on. see them spawn. I just assume. Sure. Yeah, um, I assume that they were spawned from him. Um, but yeah, that's that's not. They, they could sure. just be crawling all over him. And but that's an even deeper. I'm just wondering what are the other thing. Like I've heard people on some podcasts call the little ones mini Cthulhu's, and that doesn't fit with me at all. Like I'm like, no, no, no. no. There's not a bunch of Cthulhu's. <laughs> so <laughs> unless they really fucked up, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. So I don't really know what to call them. I know that on like the the I love how I was like I have no sources and I'm citing podcasts. I'm about to cite Wiki, <laughs> the monster Wiki yeah. or whatever. But on one of them, they call or like in an interview I read, they were calling I believe the humanoid looking ones clingers, and then we have Cthulhu. What do you want to call the little squid boys? Rock stars. No, vetoed. <laughs> um... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How about the That's... squid things? Okay, that works. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I mean, maybe a good thing about this movie is that you don't dive into all that. It kind of adds to the mystery. But as someone, I don't know. I get frustrated by it. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that I don't think the creators really thought all that out personally. For sure, but like, it takes a lot of work to design a creature. So you, they definitely thought about stuff we didn't like in their mind there's a certain number of creatures and we don't know what that number is you know what i mean like we don't know if it's four different creatures we're seeing or two different creatures for sure. different stages i bet they thought at least that far if they're going to spend the money and time to like design them in cgi and that you know yeah um and it's unfortunate the commentary really does not go in to a lot of that which i wish it would have ours will Okay, so we see the first squid because they, like, shoot it when it's eating that guy, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, well, I guess first off, what do you think of that squid design? It's the first monster we see. Kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, so I'm a huge fan of cephalopods. The first tattoo I ever got is a vampire squid. And the second tattoo I got was, uh, uh Cthulhu, which is inspired by cephalopods so obviously a monster that's squiddy and lovecrafty and cthulhu is going to be right in my alley so i i i definitely enjoyed it i wish we saw more of those ones because i preferred that design to the uh more humanoid ones that we see more of totally but yeah it was cool it also kind of reminded me of like alien um Definitely. That's the vibe I got right off the bat was Alien. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like that was probably a big influence on this movie. And I I feel like they did a good job mixing practical... There's not a ton of practical effects as far as monsters in this, but the practical effects on that one on the table after yeah. you see it like fly so... or It looks like it's flying, but swims so fast uh, with that jump scare and stuff in the water. It, it was pretty seamless. It looked great. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. It was kind of interesting that they're like, you know, the two guys go down and they're like, there's weird shit growing all over this. Oh, it's not algae. What is it? What happened to his body? And then that mystery just kind of like, I don't know what it is still. Do you? 
No, they never really refer back to that. I mean, I guess, like, at the end of the movie, when they start going towards the last station, they see, like, all this kind of, like, shit covered in this red alien kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So it makes me think of maybe that's, like, the same stuff they saw back there with the algae, and that's somehow mm-hmm. connected, but they never really directly kind of reference that again throughout the movie, so that's just kind of connections i'm trying to make yeah and like it's one of those things where like uh, i'm down for there to be a horror or suspense whatever movie where there's thing part of the scary is that we'll never know but Mm -hmm. it seems like if they wanted if that was the goal they'd do it differently right like the we'd see it more but they wouldn't be like what is that like we just see it and think that ourselves but you agree it feels like they kind of just dropped it 100 percent, yeah um yeah i want to know like i want to know what happened to that guy's body he wasn't just eaten something was happening but i and i really want to know uh oh yeah and another thing they're like it has no eyes but it's attracted to the light how and it's just setting up all these mysteries that we never it's a weird scene for that reason you know yeah and also like at thirty-six thousand uh leagues under the sea it kind of makes sense for there to be no eyes but uh yeah the whole attracted to the light thing they what's up with that yeah, totally. It's I think it's six thousand leagues under the sea, bro. Wow, six feet. I guess uh, I need to start calling you Captain Rabbit, <laughs> which is kind of funny because twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Oh no, wait, no, I don't know what a league is. I was thinking of twenty thousand fathoms from the beast for twenty thousand fathoms. Dumb as shit. Yeah. Oof. Damn. Uh, I I don't know what kind of credentials I anyone thinks i might have but they're gonna try to take them away from me now yeah you fucking scrub um what about okay do you know what i'm talking about when i say like the bigger squid that nora sees for a second at the end i don't remember that shot it's like i don't know it looks like it's like 10 feet tall or something in it, but it's just a squid thing and it i don't know i only noticed it the last time and i was taking notes so i wasn't like fully in so i don't know but if you know dear listener Hit us up. Let us know what that bigger squid is, or if you saw it, too. Yeah. You do that, listener. You do all right. that. Alright. I agree with you that the humanoid ones, the clingers, the design isn't as cool. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like them as much as the other beasts, but you gotta admit, the other ones can't suck face like they can. <laughs> I actually had in my notes, uh, as a man who loves sucking face, I truly appreciate this monster. <laughs> Did you really write suck face? That just came Yes. In my notes, I say, like, swallow whole and gorge, but... Well, speaking of creepy and gross things, um, they're pretty creepy well, and gross looking. Yeah. Um. So, you didn't read Shadow over Innsmouth, have you? No, I didn't. Um, I don't necessarily think this is what the writers are going for Um, when they did this, but... In the uh, Lovecraft story, Shadowver Innsmouth, which is one of my favorite stories of his, there's this seaside town who made a pact with this, uh, with these fish creatures that they they discover um, while fishing called the Deep Ones. And the, the humans and the Deep Ones mate together and create a hybrid. At the so, Devil Reef, right? Yes, I believe okay. so. Yeah, so... Um, and also, Cthulhu has mentioned that story is like it's been a couple of years since I read it, so I can't remember the whole context. Um, sure. But, anyways, 
Yeah, so it kind of makes me, it, it reminded me of that, even though I don't know necessarily if that's what they were going for, but um, the whole fish people concept is uh, reminiscent of that. Also, yeah, uh, the subtext of that whole story is uh, race, mis- race mixing is bad, so very cool, H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, Oof. Very, uh, very problematic favorite there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's no good. Yeah. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I I wondered if they were, like, weird human, like, if they were related to humans, because they're so humanoid, like, right? Obviously not, like, their hands and feet and their faces are different, but, like, the body shape. And the other beasts just so aren't. And in the opening credits, it's saying, it's, like, throwing a bunch of information at you, and it says something about abnormalities, and then it's showing brain scans or head scans of some yeah. kind of humans which made me think like oh is there something happening with humans that is that they're trying to hint at uh, i didn't put that together i i thought it was weird they were showing brain scans that that's an interesting kind of thought yeah but i don't i don't know and i don't know if they know yeah probably not but it was cool like there's some shots where like they're going through the water and you see these like in the distance and they just kind of look like humans just like in the shadows. And it's mm. uh, it's kind of neat that it's like actually it's these fucking uh, crazy ass monsters who can totally. suck, suck people out of their suits. Oh, that's so intense when they do that. Um, yeah. What what the, the, I think my least favorite thing about them was their behavior. It was just confusing to me. I feel like in the first, in the beginning, we see one around the beginning, but the first time we really see one, it like, like swims straight at somebody and attacks them. But then sometimes they're doing that. Sometimes they're just like kind of being creepy, like, like hiding behind stuff, ducking up and down and like, just like swimming past people. And it just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like they're creatures. It feels like they're at those parts. It feels like, oh, you're just doing what had to happen to get the plot going the way it did while adding a scare it didn't feel like the creature motivation was the what was driving them you know yeah 100 percent. um that does make me think maybe i should watch it again with the idea in mind of um them being attracted to light or whatever and maybe oh. there would be maybe that would uh reveal some more uh, uh logic to it that but... makes sense i hadn't considered that at all I had it until just now, because um, sure. I, I was thinking completely along the lines of what you just said. For sure. But talking about the other ones made me think of that. Yeah, totally. I think by far the coolest part with them is when one of them swallows Nora whole, and then she blasts her way out. Yeah, she shoots a fucking flare through that motherfucker. That shit is so sick. It's fucking yeah. great. It's just like, I don't know, Like I feel like this movie was very measured. And, and, uh, they didn't, it never, they somehow did that without it feeling corny. Like it fit really well because they'd kind of been restrained the whole rest of the time and like presented Mm -hmm. these kind of rules. I don't know. It was sick. It was, as they say, sick. And yeah, when, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of Rodan, the way you have these little ones and then suddenly it lifts like, and you realize (laughs) these little ones are just parasites on the actual thing causing the destruction. Yeah. Just how, like, Rodan, we think the Mega Nulons are the bad guy if we don't know the name of the movie and haven't seen the poster. But, um, and then... Mega Larva. So, Mega Larva, sorry. And then uh, Dan just eats one yeah. of them. Um, 
it, it kind of reminded me of that, and I thought it worked really well. Definitely, that was uh, that was one of my favorite parts when you just see them like crawling all over Cthulhu, and it's just uh, it's like, oh shit, these monsters that were still just fucking killing people are just uh, there's tons of them, and they're just a fucking parasite in this other fucking they're thing. Nothing. That, yeah, yeah, they're nothing to this thing that's just causing the complete destruction of these huge fucking drill sites. I I love that especially because like it just it breaks all of our understanding of the movie like that moment mm-hmm. like you're walking in this long ocean floor and you think okay like there could be little things swimming here and below but like that big thing must be like a, a, a building or a ceiling or whatever they're hanging from you don't even think like what are they hanging from it's just you're like oh it must be fallen equipment or something and then it's like the fucking ceiling lifts and all of your idea of what's up and down and how gravity works is just shattered until you realize what's happening. Yeah. Super nice. Super nice. All right. Anything else about little buddies before we get to Cthulhu himself? Let's do it. what did you think of Cthulhu? Cthulhu man. Yeah. I mean, he, he looked awesome. Uh, is it, is a good looking Cthulhu. It's, uh, it looks fantastic. Obviously, it's not a unique portrayal because it's been portrayed a thousand times before, and but it was, it was a uh, super well done. It, he looked awesome. Um, I loved the. What was unique was all the 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 crawlies on him, and uh, I loved how he was like obscured in the darkness, and they shoot the flare up, and you're like, "What the fuck is that?" And it's just kind of the slow reveal of of him, and then all of a sudden. Like you see more and more of him, you see him causing like a an explosion, and which kind of brings together like the story of uh, like oh shit, all these these drill stations being destroyed is because of him. Totally. Um, or it. which I love. I love that. I mean, it's a separate thing, but I just love that this movie is all them being attacked by Cthulhu and not knowing it. Kind of. Yeah. Like that's like. I, a giant monster movie where you're just following the destruction is so cool. Yeah, I, I, I definitely liked it a lot that it's obscured the whole time of what the actual cause is. And it's finally revealed after multiple people have died. And just, yeah, it's it's been such huge destruction. They have no fucking idea. I thought it was interesting. I love how he looks at the very end when the explosion's happening. He's like crawling away. But it does feel... Like, that's the only time you see his full body and the wings and everything, but for some reason it feels non-Cthulhu-like. Like, in my mind, Cthulhu kind of just is a presence, like, just floats mm-hmm. as, like, his consciousness goes out into things. And, like, I do think that that's a cool thing about the Parasites is, like, you can't... This isn't a, a short story, so you can't really describe the feelings around Cthulhu. So this is kind of almost like a a, a visual representation of how like weird this being is but yeah i don't know what do you think of that crawling away do you think that felt that worked in your mind for how cthulhu is not really um because like in the call of cthulhu in the 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 og story there's a boat that sees him and is trying to escape him and then the boat does the operator of the boat decides to turn around and just ram into cthulhu's face and it works, but then he looks back and notices that, like, 
Cthulhu's face kind of like exploded, but then it's all just like coming back together again mm-hmm. uh, and regenerating. So like the idea of him trying to like escape and like get away from something like just doesn't feel right because he's just this he's this godlike creature from another universe basically that yeah. uh is just like does not follow the rules of our physics or our logic yeah totally i that that like i like it because i get to see his fucking wings and shit and like the mm-hmm. whole body but it it takes me out of like the sheer terror of of cthulhu i guess yeah yeah i mean like this is basically supposed to be like I said, a godlike entity. Like, yeah. it's just, you shouldn't be trying anyway to escape or. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the things that makes it feel obvious that they decided to make it Cthulhu years after they filmed it. Yeah. Other than that part, I, I agree. I think he looks fucking sick. I. I feel like I'm not used to, and I haven't looked at nearly as much Cthulhu art as you, I'm sure, but, like, I'm not used to the front of his face looking so, I don't know how to put it, like, skeletal or, like, sharp. Um, Mm -hmm. And that I felt like, I don't know, it made him look fierce and scary, but it also didn't fit with him in my mind. So I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I generally just think of a squiddy face. That's that's what I think. I want to think of Cthulhu. Um, For sure. Squiddy face. Cthulhu. 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 Cthulhu, comma, C. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Me too. Um, We didn't even mention that the the Clingers kind of have his face. Yeah. Which uh, to your spawning theory. Yeah, I was about to say that. Oh, say it. I mean, you just said it. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. I will okay. never repeat what you said. That's beneath me. <laughs> um, well, uh, I really liked Cthulhu. I also really liked the build-up to Cthulhu. What did you think of, like, I don't know, that the, the, the lead-up throughout the movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, it was so unexpected. Um, like I said, I went into this where I saw a poster with like this kind of like outlined mouth that made me think it was like a giant whale or a giant shark, some kind of giant, uh, generic sea beast. So for it to end up being Cthulhu was just like, whoa, what the fuck? And yeah, as you build up to the movie, you know, you hear the, the, they listen to the radio and there's just this crazy noise. They don't know what it is. And, uh, you see all these weird alien like creatures. Um, and, uh, yes, I like the buildup. I thought it was a great buildup. Well done. It was cool. How like they would be like, there were just like little hints. Is that an earthquake? And then she's like, I don't, I don't think it was that. And then you hear like, like you hear the like weird squeals, but none of it fully gave it away. And I think that like, the pace of the movie, the fact that you're just so in it the whole time, you kind of forget. You're kind of just mm-hmm. like, how are they going to escape this facility? Even though they're throwing you all these things. I really liked that. And then there were some also like just weird hints, like that weird demon art that Emily sees. I don't even know what that was before they put the suits on. Yeah. In the commentary, when they talked about that, they talked about how like public's, public work projects often had like artwork done or something like that. 
Mm. But they never alluded to it being specifically related. They never really even mentioned Cthulhu much, much in the commentary, so to be honest. Yeah. We are doing it for them. Like, oh <laughs> You're welcome, William Eubanks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll tell you where to send the check. Just uh, hit us up. Mm-hmm. Pay us for our labor. Um, I think the biggest hint that it is Cthulhu is when they get to Cap's when when Nora gets to Cap's locker at the end. I didn't notice it till the third time because I was looking for it. But the map he has has a drawing of Cthulhu sitting down in the pose of like the figures from A Call of Cthulhu. I think that's what it is, like the figurines. Yeah, the bas relief. Yeah, there you go. And there's also like a pentagram on that map. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. But you wouldn't really notice it if you didn't. No, I didn't even notice it when it was like first pointed out to me. And then like I watched it again. Um, I don't know. My screen was just not big enough. But like I really had to kind of look for it. Yeah, I had to. I went back and paused and finally was like, oh, there it is. Because I was looking everywhere because it just doesn't yeah. jump out at you. That makes me wonder what the fuck's going on with Cap. Yeah, for sure. Because he <laughs> apparently knows all this. Um and uh, or suspected it or something but there's also yeah. a, a pentagram on the map <laughs> so <laughs> i mean maybe he's just metal yeah exactly i think cat's just like a fucking dope ass uh warlock or something and then yeah speaking of uh leagues uh fucking uh paul uh says like mentions slender man shit or like it's like this is some slender man shit or this, this better not some be some twenty thousand leagues under the sea shit and those looking back seem like hints that it's going to be something from our culture, you know, that we already know. Yeah. Or at least a monster or unexplainable thing. Uh-huh. Well, anything else about Cthulhu? He's, uh, he's my second ever tattoo. He's on my left ankle, on the left side of my left ankle. I, on the right side of my left ankle is, uh, let me check. The cops is, are writing uh, all this down right now. <laughs> on the right side of my of my left ankle is the um, uh, TV exploding from Videodrome. But yeah, uh, I am. Um, I love Lovecraft. I love Cthulhu. It's a uh, it's a part of who I am. So it was it was really I, I really loved watching this movie and having that revealed and knowing that you chose it specifically for that for me is. It's very sweet, and it made me feel good about myself and good about you. (laughs) Damn, getting touching here, (laughs) and you're welcome. Um, Yeah, I I honestly wasn't sure whether you'd be, like, stoked or whether you'd be like, what? What did they fucking do to Cthulhu? Like, come on. Um, But you were so stoked. It was, like, so so hard not to say anything for, like, three weeks and while we were watching the movie together, like, talking to each other. It was so hard not to say anything. I know, and I felt kind of bad because, like I said, I uh, wasn't fully paying attention. Plus, I was drinking, and and you and I were joking, and then all of a sudden, and you're like, what is that, Charlie? What is that? What kind of monster is it? And I was like, oh, shit! (laughs) sweet so should we go on to the other special effects yeah the disaster shit all the like everything falling apart fucking looks great yeah it looks great and uh it's neat how it just kind of like starts up from the beginning and never really lets up <laughs> yes it's just like right away like yeah <laughs> two minutes in or something it's, it's like oh like... she's brushing her teeth and then <laughs> yeah 
It's like we don't need the first third of a normal movie. We're just gonna yeah. go, and it works so well yeah. for that. Like, why would we? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the majority of the exposition is in the opening credits, and uh, yeah, it actually, it, I mean, it pulls it off well. <laughs> totally. Like, think of how boring this movie would be, or movies like this are boring when it's like, mm-hmm. like setting up so like. We mentioned Cloverfield before, so that's an easy one. Like, that setup is so long and it's so unnecessary. Like, I'm, this movie makes us care about the characters with a few lines here and there enough that we don't want them to die because that's all you need, right? Mm-hmm. At least for this. And I like that about it. It's just like we know what we're doing. We know this movie knows what it was trying to be for the most part, like in th- in that respect, and it pulled it off. Yeah, for sure. Um, like it didn't have a cheesy love story in the traditional way where two people fall in love while everything's falling apart, but it did have characters that were in love and you cared about their love. You know, you wanted, you thought it was nice and you wanted them to to be okay. Yeah, I mean, in fact, yeah, never mind. You cared about their love, Charlie. <laughs> hey, I love love. I'm a romantic. Nice. Um. But yeah, like those hallways exploding, like in the beginning, look so good. And like the scenes, like Nora flipping backwards, the scenes where shit happens and then it goes in slow mode, like they just look great. Like it's, it seems like it's a, it's gotta like all be CGI, right? I don't really know, but they did a great job. No, yeah, it's funny watching the commentary. They mention a lot, like, oh yeah, they got really banged around in that scene. We had lots of wires on them and they just got thrown oh. all around. Nice. Um, so. Quite a bit of it is actual uh, practical stuff of them just being bounced the fuck around. Yeah, I figured like when she was flying backwards, they had her on strings in front of like a green screen and the rest was all, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I just thought like the, the not only were the effects great, but they were shot really well. The music, the perspective, the effects, they all went together really well. Like when, when they're going down that elevator thing and then they hit it like crashes they hit the bottom and they're running from debris it's like two different types of scary things happening at once and there's never the camera's never so shaky that you don't know what's happening but it's not just sitting there it's dynamic you you feel like you're one of them a lot of the time and it's really well done i agree um i feel like part of that a lot of that goes into the later directing cad category but yeah um true this whole thing i mean yeah the whole movie was just shot really well it all looks great um all the effects were done great. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. And this is coming from a man who hates CGI more than he hates me. Uh, <laughs> no, I hate wow. you more than CGI. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. CGI I hate you. you. I hate you more than I hate Trump. Wow. Okay, you're going to have to go into that one. What? <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, the things you've done that you don't want me to talk about, I think uh, you completely understand are on the level of what Trump has done and worse. Well, speaking of death, (laughs) (laughs) why don't we move on to uh, uh, the, yeah, the, the special effects in this movie are awesome and every death is pretty fucking crazy. I don't know. Do you want to start with talking about those? I feel like we can cut out one of the later things we're talking about, but every death basically has to do with um, a level of sacrifice, uh, yeah. which is, is that's a major theme of the movie. Yeah, I we're mean, we're talking uh, about special effects, Charlie. 
Sorry. <laughs> okay. I love CGI. All right, your turn. <laughs> you got this, bro. <laughs> Look, that dude exploded. It was cool. That dude got sucked through his suit. It was pretty cool. Hell, uh, just full of blood. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That other dude exploded. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Damn, yeah, you covered it. Yeah. Uh, those two dudes at the beginning exploded uh, when they c- couldn't get to the beyond the door in time. Um, that's pretty cool. True, true. And that one clearer got his body blown open by a flare gun. That was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then they, they shot that little squid boy. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Totally. Well, yeah, I thought, I mean, obviously multiple of the deaths were from, like, pressurized suit malfunctions or whatever, but um, those just looked fucking crazy. Like, I don't know how they're doing it. Like, the CGI just looked awesome. Like, it's just, I don't know. It feels like it hits you. What about other special effects? I'm just trying to think what other special effects there were besides the deaths and the monsters and... uh... I mean, we kind of we've kind of gone over all of the stuff. I guess the only other one that I can think of is the um the like the water effects, like just the lighting in this movie. I guess in general, we've touched on it a little, like the flares, but just the way you get like spotlights going over monsters, or like you're looking through this so long of a stretch of ocean, and you can kind of see, but you can't really see. Like all, it just had a lot of depth, and it looked really good. Yeah, and um, in general, that kind of like hammers home the the idea that this is just like this super unexplored unknown area and just like you are kind of viewing it with the characters as they light up these different areas and it's just this just the super yeah the super dark unknown uh basically a hellscape that they're trying to explore through for the sake of um uh Keeping our economy going, keeping it afloat. Yep, for for getting resources. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's 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 really a hellish area at that depth of the ocean. That's just, bro. We're the hellish area. Okay, they're just chilling. We're the hellish area. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of dark and hellish, and um. Uh, areas do you want to talk about hp lovecraft this this fucking the dude yeah what do you want me to say i don't know uh what uh when did you get into hp lovecraft why do you like hp lovecraft i first got in him i remember the first i bought a book of his for a plane ride somewhere and i can't remember where but it would have had to been when i was like 15 or 14 is when I'm kind of thinking in my head when what what when I first started reading him and I just heard about him referenced probably into in reference to like music I was listening to at the time and just as I went through my life just the uh, you know always interested in horror movies and darker music and uh, stuff in darker literature I'd always hear references to H.P. Lovecraft and so I'd start reading him more and more and I'd get into him more and more and now nowadays it like basically a month doesn't go by where I don't read an, a Lovecraft story um, or reread a, a Lovecraft story uh, it's just always something I go back to it's just a fundamental 
part of my life and who I am is just um, going back to Lovecraft. I would, yeah, I think I'd say he's my all-time favorite writer, um, despite the fact that he's an abhorrent racist. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you need to be sorry. Like, I mean, his writing is good. There's fucked up shit in it. It's old as hell. It doesn't excuse him being fucked up, but it doesn't mean he didn't, like, have a lot of uh, good fucking stories, you know? Yeah, I, I, I do want to point out one of his last letters he ever wrote, he kind of, like, uh, he mentioned... So he was uh, an insanely prolific letter writer. Is one estimate that said he wrote around 100,000 letters in his lifetime. Um, S.T. Joshi, or S.T. Joshi, I'm not, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, who's like the preeminent Lovecraft scholar, he's, he downgrades 100,000 to around like 87,000 or something. <laughs> so I don't so, get why that's say, so impressive. Like, this outline, I just did a character search, and it has... 500 or 5,401 letters in it <laughs> good point that's a very good point <laughs> so like what did he do like 10 times that great i'm talking about letters to people uh, uh... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> he was huge on constantly uh writing letters to people <laughs> gotcha gotcha but one of his last ever letters he actually kind of like talked about his uh intolerance um how all of a sudden he like had a view of like how fucked up his his past intolerances were and how he was a racist piece of shit i was trying to look up the exact letter um before we started this and i couldn't find it but that was one of his last letters where he kind of denounced all of his racist uh um past and he, i think he even alluded to an endorsement of socialism in that letter interesting yeah yeah i, I, had, I had heard that he said he regretted it and wished he'd traveled outside of providence rhode island more um and that mm -hmm. he might have not had that and like yeah not excusable but also doesn't mean he's like off limits as someone to appreciate their writing um yeah and that's always one of the hard things when you're reading his stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, the shadow of Insmith is like the subtext of it is uh, race mixing is bad, but also it's if you just kind of ignore that subtext, that subtext is just like an incredibly awesome story to just enjoy on its own merits outside of that. Um, totally. And that's, that's kind of what you have to do with a lot of his stuff. Um, is just ignore the kind of racist elements and is he really was a super intelligent and creative individual who really created this unique atmosphere and way of uh, a way of communicating this uh, idea of cosmic horror what do you mean by cosmic horror exactly because i I've only read so I haven't I guess I'll back up a little I just started reading Lovecraft um after I watched Underwater and when I knew we were going to do an episode on it. I've read seven of his short stories, including Call of Cthulhu. It's hard for me to to describe why he's so interesting, like why why the, the, the particular vibe that his stories have, but you're particularly, or specifically calling it cosmic horror. Can you like either define that or describe that for, for us? Yeah, I also want to point out that um, 
you read a lot of his earlier stuff where uh, his kind of vision was not as uh, well-defined. Um, he took heavy influence in uh, Poe, and uh, in fact, Poe is probably one of his biggest influences. Um, Lord um, Dunsany, I think his name was, is another big influence. But there are elements of this concept before, so some people uh, attribute him for creating it, which is kind of wrong, but he kind of really brought together more than anyone else and is uh, going forward in terms of influence on uh, horror in general and writers in general. He was probably the, the main catalyst for kind of bringing this all together. But I would say that Cosmic Horror is uh, it's like... Did you ever read Solaris? No. Okay, you introduced me to Stanislaw, Stanislaw Lem, which is uh, yeah. The so, I read the Futurological Congress by him, which was fucking great. Yeah, you introduced me that to me around the same time you introduced me to Acid. Um, <laughs> uh, so what a coincidence uh, or what a weird, yeah. <laughs> random, not connected thing. <laughs> um, but he also wrote Solaris. Um, I'm just asking that because the. Uh, the concept of Solaris is like they discover an alien planet and uh, the alien planet is a intelligent entity in and of itself, but they have no way of understanding why it communicates the way it does and what the reasons behind what it does, what it does because it's an alien planet and you cannot, yeah, you cannot understand what an alien entity does um because we have just completely different systems of understanding and that kind of relates to the idea of cosmic core the idea lovecraft has this idea of uh these alien godlike creatures coming from beyond our star system who have come onto earth and we don't know we have no way of comprehending what their logic system is or what they want um their power is beyond our understanding and the reality is completely alien and different to ours to us and our comprehension and to gain any knowledge and understanding of what they are or what they want is to risk our own sanity uh totally one of my favorite things about lovecraft is the sentiment, like all the stories I read had very similar themes and ideas that were repeating. Um, and they were awesome ones, but the opening line of call of Cthulhu is something about how like one of the greatest, uh, I forget what the word mercies, I think that we have as humans is that we know so little about the universe. We're like on this peninsula of knowledge with this vast unknowable stuff outside of it. And that the, 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 that learning what's actually going on would drive us would be horrible, absolutely horrible and would drive us insane. And I feel like that's, that's a, that's a big part of cosmic horror. My very limited understanding of cosmic horror. No, no, it totally is. And, um, it's such a cool concept and such a kind of like unique concept. It's really fun when you go into like Lovecraftian games where, you know, most games you have your health meter and then Lovecraftian games you have your health meter but you also have a sanity meter nice. so like as you learn more and more you kind of lose sanity because you start to have an understanding of this insane alien concept that's normally outside the realms of uh, human mind um, totally 
which is why Bloodborne is the greatest video game ever made, um, because it delves into that. Oh, shit. I didn't know. Oh, you've never played Bloodborne, have you? No, I've played, we talked, I think last week, we talked about uh, <laughs> all the other games from the, hey. from them, but not Bloodborne. I could talk about Bloodborne forever. It's the greatest. Um, well, speaking of things you could talk about forever, how do you pronounce Cthulhu? <laughs> uh should i just just, read what i sent you sure i'm just on these transitions today god damn it (laughs) okay before that there are a couple quotes i meant to uh recite but i forgot so i'm gonna go ahead and do that sick one thing um uh lovecraft said in one of his letters i believe was he said I cannot write about ordinary people because I am not in the least interested in them. Without interest, there can be no art. Man's relations to man do not captivate my fancy. It is man's relations to the cosmos, to the unknown, which alone arouses in me the spark of creative imagination. So that kind of shows that his interest is in, I mean, yeah, cosmic horror. Um, yeah, he doesn't in... care about, like, human relations unless he's making sure that black people are on this side of town and white people are on this side. <laughs> I mean it's not only black and white he uh he was in fucking old school racist where like in the, the terrible old man it's like um there's three criminals and I think they're Italian Portuguese and Polish and he's just like these fucking scum yeah the so, fucking Polish Damn, yeah. you the racist towards the people that it's like totally chill to just like totally mock now because they're white people. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. He's just completely old school racist. Wow. Just like fucking Italians. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Um, and then uh, I think this is a quote of Leslie Klinger's. Um, he says, uh, Lovecraft's essential view was that much of the cosmos is in fact without rules at least rules intelligible to humans, and that it is not only inaccurate, but inartistic to depict alien beings and worlds in human terms. I like that. I mean, one of the most, it's obvious why it happens, but one of the most boring things about science fiction is that everything has to be on our terms. Otherwise, like, how would we even describe, like, not everything, there's there's interesting things that work, like, like there's a lot of media that, that does a good job like the um, the first thing that comes to my head is the movie arrival they do a good job of like mm. the aliens entire kind of way of understanding the universe being different than ours but like for the most part if you think of like star trek you know it's all just yeah different looking trees on different looking planets with different looking dogs and you know yeah i mean that's that's why i brought up solaris is because uh the concept of um we can never truly understand an alien entity because we don't understand. Uh, I mean, it's just impossible to understand what perspective they're coming from. Yeah. Um, and then the the film by Tarkovsky uh, kind of um, puts that into context of human human relations that we can never truly understand another human. Damn, that's um, I can't believe Solaris is based on a Stanislaw Lem book. Like, have you seen them? Have you seen the movie? No, no, I should. I've been meaning to, but uh, or I mean, there's a Tarkovsky movie, which is a Soviet movie from the '60s, or and yeah. then there's a 
Sodenberg movie from the yeah. 90s, which With, like, I have not seen. Fucking, what's his name? Uh, uh, George, George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that one. I've heard it kind of sucks, but I don't know. I want to see the original for sure, but... The original has my favorite scene in movie history, so I highly recommend that. I saw that on my birthday one year when I was like, I don't know, 22, 23, in a, in a theater, and it was just a mind-blowing experience. For for those who don't know, uh, the Futurological Congress, which is the Stanislaw Lem book I've read, is like, if I remember it's been so long, the government is like pumping out drugs into the air to like control the citizens. And so you're following this protagonist who like never knows if what they're seeing is part of the drug's effect or whether it's real. And it just keeps getting more and more confusing. So I could see this writer doing a really good job with an alien race being confusing and not like fitting um that's a great book though future love of congress it's fun it's really funny highly recommend it is solaris funny no it's not it's not in the same realm um it's more of a hard sci-fi and also it's not a huge it's not an alien race it's an alien planet that is sentient so there's a space station that's like examining this planet and the planet kind of uh it creates um entities it creates entities based on their memories Whoa. that are uh, physically in the space station with them, but it's not a, a true uh, representation of their entity. It's a, a representation of what the planet reads from their minds. Totally. It's, uh, I mean, Stanislaw Lem, he's one of my favorite writers. Uh, a lot of his stuff is more along the lines of Futurological Congress, where it's lighthearted and funnier. Um, he also, I mean, he wrote some great sci-fi stuff specifically for uh, young adults, which is um, all pretty great and fun to read. So I'd, I'd highly recommend him in general. He also wrote some mystery stuff that wasn't even sci-fi related, which is also pretty cool. And he wrote some a lot of experimental stuff, which was neat. Anyways, check him out. He's cool. Sweet. How do I pronounce Kutahulahu? <laughs> uh yeah uh let me I, I let me bring that up and read it what's it from leslie Klinger. um the did the annotated book they did two annotated volumes um recent volumes and this is specifically from uh a letter that lovecraft wrote to Dwayne rimmel in July 23rd, 1934. And I will read this verbatim from what Klinger cites. <clears throat> I thought I would do it for you because they, they can't uh, tell who's doing it, so I thought I would just uh, do it for you. Alright, well, we can smash that other button. Lovecraft gave directions for the pronunciation of the name. The word is supposed to represent a fumbling human attempt to catch the fanatics of an absolutely non-human word. The name of the hellish entity was invented by, was invented by beings whose vocal organs were not like man's. Hence, it has no relation to the human speech equipment. The syllables were determined by a physiological equipment wholly unlike ours. Hence, can never be uttered perfectly by human throats. Up to the time of the story, when Professor Angel, or Angel, I don't know how to pronounce it, when Professor Angel became interested in the matter, there had never been any attempt to render the name of the hellish Rela 
monster in our alphabet. Although Abdul Al-Hazared made an attempt in, Arab in Arabic letters, which was repeated in Greek by the Byzantine translator. The Latin translator merely copied the Greek. The letters Cthulhu were merely what Professor Angel devised to represent, roughly and imperfectly, of course, the dream name orally mouthed to him by the young artist Wilcox. The actual sound, as near as human organs could imitate it or human letters record it, may be taken as something like Kahulhulu. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> With the first syllable pronounced gutturally and very thickly. The U is about like that in full. And the first syllable is not unlike Klul in sound. Hence the H represents the guttural thickness. Yep, there you go. There's your learning for the evening. One thing I love about that is that I think most sci-fi writers of course think about the fact that they have to name alien races but the aliens have their own language and way of speaking and that it shouldn't fit but they're like oh well you know it's, we gotta write the story how are we gonna do that without that so let's do that let's just make it something that we can pronounce and uh hp lovecraft is like i am going to obsess over this problem yeah and it... i am never gonna fully answer it or <laughs> you know <laughs> And to the extent where he's just, like, writing, firing off letters to people, like, talking yeah. about it. Like, totally. It's not, it like, kinda... a personal thing he's obsessed with. He's, like, just, like, writing off, like, here and there, I'm sure. Considering he wrote, like, 85,000 letters, I'm sure this is, like, he mentioned it in multiple letters. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Tolkien, where, like, fans would write Tolkien, like, some random question, I'm going to make it obvious how little I know about Tolkien. Like, like, where do you think that the orc society would be without such and such thing? Or, like, where do you think they came from? Or whatever. And he would be like, that's an interesting question. And he would just think about his world as if it was real. And mm -hmm. be like, oh, let me and this random fan try to figure out this thing that I haven't defined yet, but is, like, could be, maybe we can find it. And it's just this, this like, idea... the most of Tolkien's stuff happens in one world, right? Yeah. Not all of it, but most of it. And it's kind of like Lovecraft feels that way too. I'm not sure, but it feels like almost all of his stories from what I've read are in a universe that shares things. Right. Well, one of the fun things about him, so like, yeah, he'll, uh, he didn't like personally see it as like some, uh, universe with specific rules, basically on how he wanted everything to be, but he would like, reference things here and there but um so there's this idea of the cthulhu mythos um, yeah and he never set that out himself but sure. he did like uh so he had a huge like i mentioned he wrote tons and tons of letters he had a huge group of friends um that he would write letters to and he would uh cultivate basically different groups of uh, friends and he would introduce friends to each other and a lot of them were writers um and he would introduce different writers to each other and he actually at one point he recommended to um august derleth uh that he incorporate some of his mythos into his writing and um that story that he did that in was rejected and uh lovecraft wrote 
I like to have other use my Azathoths and Nyla Hathotheps, and in return, I shall use Clark Ashton's Sathaga, your monk Clethanus, and Howard's Bran. Uh, basically, he was saying he didn't want some kind of like hard universe that he was the overbearer of. He believed in kind of an open source uh thing where people could engage in the different ideas of different writers and put them in their different stories. That's so awesome. he yeah, he wanted people to engage in his creations and he wanted to engage in other people's creations and have them kind of just interact in in everybody's different kind of universes. Uh, so, so was was Lovecraft's stuff always public domain, or is it just public domain now because it's been so long? It's just public domain now because it's been so long. Uh, okay. At the time, he mostly wrote for um, Weird Stories, which is a pulp yeah. magazine that uh, produced weird stories. Uh, is also mostly known for Robert Howard, who was a close friend of his, um, uh, who did Conan the Barbarian. It's kind of cool that, like, after his death now that his stuff is public domain, his vision is kind of happening, right? Like, he is part of Underwater. He is part of all these games and things. His universe is connected to others. That's pretty sick. Yeah, that is kind of cool. I didn't even think of that that way, but that is uh, pretty neat that, yeah, he saw it as just, like, everybody should engage in the the shared ideas, and uh, that's what people are doing with his work. That's really neat. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to call him Cthulhu. That, I mean, that's what most people call him, including me. And I'm smart, so... Well, is there anything else you wanted to say about Cthulhu himself, either about him from the Call of Cthulhu or Cthulhu, like, in the rest of lore? I just want to point out, it's, it's funny that that's, like, what Lovecraft is no, most known for. Yeah. But it's not, like, you would think going into Lovecraft writing that like you'd see Cthulhu all over the place but besides the call of Cthulhu you only see him like mentioned every now and then in a few stories and just like one kind of like sentence thing yeah. like he's not like an overall entity in this uh in Lovecraft's writing it's just is is on the kind of uh, the outskirts of his writing basically totally and, and uh it's it's interesting that that's kind of like what he's most known for, but that's not, if you go into his writing, that's not what you're going to get. Yeah, I had that experience where, so I watched that and I was like, oh, I want to read some Cthulhu stuff before we do this episode. And I couldn't ask you about it because you didn't know what happened at the end of Underwater yet. So I like started looking and I was like, oh, Cthulhu's only in one story, like actually. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, that's easy. <laughs> so I got Call of Cthulhu and other weird stories and I read that and then obviously other ones were like very similar or felt like they kind of referenced it in the ones i read not i'm sure there's others that reference it even more i know there's a whole like more about the cult and stuff but yeah it's a trip that the big thing is just this little short story that's like 30 pages or something yeah i mean and he never he never really wrote anything too long um i mean he wrote stuff that's longer than 30 pages but uh only maybe a couple things could be considered novel length even at that but yeah, yeah, and he didn't even release a book ever, right? He just put his stuff in in pulp like journals. Yeah, he never got traction as a thing. So, uh, uh, it, he, I mean, in his entire life, he was uh, ignored. Basically, there are 
some reviews here and there, but it wasn't until um, that person I said who created the idea of the Cthulhu Mythos, uh, August Derelith, um, him and another contact of uh, Lovecraft's, they created a publishing house called like Arkham Publishing or something, which, yeah, I guess I might as well mention that. Uh, Arkham is a big thing in uh, Lovecraft's thing. It's a area that he constantly refers to. So when you hear about Batman and Arkham, Arkham Asylum, that is a Lovecraft reference. Totally. Um, I, I bet he was he never got traction because it was the early 1900s and all the publishers were like, this guy's not racist enough. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but yeah, after his death, uh, his friends created a publishing house where they were dedicated to releasing his work and he started gaining more and more traction from there still not the best reviews but all the reviews are basically like we never heard of this fucking guy yeah um which is so crazy he has so many stories yeah i mean there's tons of people uh, like him who we still don't know about but it's just interesting mm -hmm. and then like the past 30 years he kind of started blowing up more and more and it's crazy because he's had like such a huge influence over the idea of what horror is and how it can be uh horror can come from a not human kind of perspective which it a lot of time was considered before him totally yeah i mean would you say that that's his main influence on the horror genre because he's very influential obviously for especially for being so not so well known at the time but um that he that he was writing but do you have any other was there anything else you want to say about how he influenced the horror genre i mean just in general the idea of uh cosmic horror of um this kind of uh horror that's born from a non-concern for for humanity um in uh humanities um facing off against that kind of godlike non-considerate perspective I totally. suppose well we we went through already when we were talking about the monsters some of the connections between lovecraft and the story um we we also i mean yeah like this this movie was a movie that was just a giant monster movie that they decided to add cthulhu way later so you'd think that there'd be like no connections and you like there are a lot of dropped you know threads which we've mentioned but it, it does feel like it kind of fit perfectly like not perfectly but like there are themes throughout the movie that are, are things that make it feel like it was supposed to be cthulhu do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. like um they keep asking if it was an earthquake and i'm pretty sure that's what happens in call of cthulhu they keep thinking earth like there's some, at least in some Lovecraft yeah. story, they're blaming earthquakes, and then this fucking like otherworldly thing is actually to blame. Yeah, and I mean, even in the the movie, I think they're like a couple of them are like, I don't, I don't think that was an earthquake. Yeah, Nora says that. Yeah, and she's like, No, well, I don't. Yeah, know. and then like there's the idea, like a lot of the stories that I read from Lovecraft have. There's a lot of focus on dreams between not knowing what's mm -hmm. waking in dreams or things feeling like a dream. And there's also like this, this theme I feel like in Lovecraft from what I read of like the infinite, the unknowable, the like, and like time being infinite. And there's a lot of stuff about time, dreams, waking, all of that in this movie. So it feels yeah. like a nice fit, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of his stories were like specifically based on his dreams. Nice. But yeah. 
Yeah, and one of the stories I read, I think it's, can't remember if it's Salafias, maybe? The, where it's, like, literally about this dude going into his dreams and how his dreams keep, like, his dreams keep building on each other. So, yeah, he has stories that are, like, literally just dreams, almost. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, anything else about H.P. Lovecraft himself before we move on to more movie stuff? Hey, Lovecraft, if you're listening to this, let's get rid of that racism. Hell yeah, dude. Doing the Lord's work. Really ch- making change. I do what I can. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention. Have you watched uh, Lovecraft Country? No, I watched the first, I think, two episodes. I need to get back into that, though. Yeah. Sweet. I only watched the first episode last night, and I thought it was awesome. It's just interesting how, like, it's, like, the show is set around a man, or I guess, like, his family and, and, and other people um, who are, like, like, he's an obsessive Lovecraft fan, and he's a black dude, and people are asking him why he likes this racist guy, and he kind of talks about some of the things we talked about earlier here of, like, uh, that doesn't take away from like the the story can still be good and all these things and i just feel like it's interesting that right now we have this like what seems so far to be a really like smart introspective like thoughtful show uh, that deals with those themes um and so i just i don't know i've only watched one episode i thought it was fantastic i'm gonna finish it soon and i highly recommend it to people uh it it was great uh yeah well first of all that was uh there's a book Lovecraft Country, which I have not yeah. read, but that that's what it's based on. It's um, based on, and then it goes past the book, yeah. Yeah, I watched the first couple episodes. Um, I was at a friend's house, and we were hanging out, and we watched it together. So it just kind of felt like out of the vibe, I guess, to wa- to continue watching it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have meant to go back to it. It's just, you know how that works, I guess, yeah. maybe. Yeah, sure. it's just, it is, I, it's just kind of different feeling and i need to get back to it with a different kind of viewpoint of how i first watched it but uh yeah one of the neat things about that is uh it's very based on like uh where things took place and they're trying to figure out like the history of all these different areas in the uh, racist south where the uh these um like family activities and stuff took place but it's kind of neat reading the the annotated uh books by anthologies by uh, Leslie Klinger because he really goes in detail whenever Lovecraft wrote about a different place he actually was very um intent on writing about specific places they weren't just places he made up in his mind so yeah it goes into detail about like all the different specific places he was most likely referencing or they have like modern day pictures of uh the different houses and stuff that he referenced so it's it's uh neat watching that the first couple episodes of that show where there's obsessed with the detail of location and knowing how Lovecraft was obsessed with uh being um historically correct about uh locations and stuff like that yeah and like one of the characters is even like uh like he's on the road to create like a map a a a guidebook for i believe so far from the first 
episode it feels like it's for black folks like traveling trying to find places that are good and won't treat them like shit for being black yeah and so it's it's cool that there's somebody who's like trying to map the geography of a region like as kind of a representation of what lovecraft was trying to do to an extent yeah for sure sweet well um i think if if you and i manage to do this podcast for years and we run out of all these movies that might be a fun thing to just watch the show and do episodes on it <laughs> all right i'll put that down in my notebook yeah yeah for three years from now or whatever <laughs> cool let's get back to the movie and talk about the uh human story and stuff sorry i went on uh too long rambling about lovecraft oh, i was hoping that's what would happen i fucking ate it up <laughs> okay so my general thoughts about the human story is why can't two people get in an escape pod yeah that's always kind of weird when things like this like i mean i guess we're supposed to assume like oxygen levels or shit like that just but... one line just give us one line you know yeah like i can, yeah. you know there's not enough oxygen in the pod or you know i'll i'll like we won't be able to brace from impact with like if we're not both strapped in you gotta go like anything yeah i mean come on emily you wanna you definitely want to fuck smith so just uh wrap his fucking arms around you and escape together smith is not really in a in a position to give consent right then <laughs> i didn't say they'd actually be having sex i just okay. saying right. wrap just your sure. arms wrap his arms around you that'd be such a funnier final scene they're just like doing it as they go up and then like, Nora has to blow up all the beasts going after them so that he just keep fucking grinding. Yeah, that'd be it. Yeah. Nora's like, damn, I should have taken Emily's place. <laughs> or Smith's place. Either one works. Totally. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the general? I mean, there's not much to say about the general story. Yeah, I mean, there isn't really much to the story. Like I said, the majority of the exposition is in the opening credits and it's just after that it's just a fucking roller coaster ride of Yeah. A to B to C. Totally. So one thing I really appreciate about this movie that I didn't fully grasp the first time I watched it is that other than like a couple shots right outside the facility, every second of this movie is from Nora's perspective. Like even like, we're, we're following her 100% of the time. Even when uh, Paul and Smith go out to find that body, we only see them doing that through their cameras that she's watching. Like, every, yes. And when she separates from the other people, we don't see them till she finds them again. Everything is from her perspective. And I feel like that's why this movie feels like such a ride. Like, we are Nora. We're following her. And it's... You know what I mean? Like, I love that about this movie. Yeah, I did not look at it that way, but that's a neat idea you put in my brainwaves. Totally. Good job. Thank you, thank you. And I feel, I feel like part of the reason it works is because Nora's just fucking awesome. Like, mm. she's badass, she's cool, she's genuine. Like, I just want to be her friend. Like... She tries to sacrifice herself multiple times. She, I love the millennial language she uses. She's just like always saying "dude," and like even in like the touching moment at the end with Emily, she's like, "You really love him, huh?" Emily's like, "Yeah." She's like, "That's really cool." And that's like exactly what I feel like I would do. Like Emily's like, "Oh man, I'm fucking. I feel high right now because she's losing <laughs> oxygen." And she's like, and, uh, uh, 
Nora's like freebie. Like she's just so I don't know. She's just like approachable and like I know I'm sure this is my Southern California bias, but like <laughs> I I don't know. She's just sweet. Like she's just fucking cool as hell, and you just like are like all I care about is that this person is chill. Like I want to be this person's friend. I hope they're doing good. You know. Yeah, Kristen Stewart does a great job, and I loved her character throughout. I 100% agree. It's kind of neat, um, coming from the perspective of this podcast, that uh, she's a strong female character, which we have not had a lot of so Correct. Far. Yeah, that's one nice um, thing about not just doing the super old movies. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you would think one of the nice things about not doing the just the super old movies is that the black character would not be the first person to die. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that in a second, but yeah, but anyways, yeah, Chris, um... Kristen Stewart did an amazing job. Like she did yeah. such a good job. She was uh very good in this movie. She was um not just very good. She was perfect in this movie. She, she delivered exactly what I would expect and what I would want. And, uh, she did it greatly. So I fully hey, agree. Chris Stewart, you are the actress of the week. Good job. Nice. Got to give out a different award because there's no cops in this movie. <laughs> I, as soon as I started saying that, I was like, "Oh shit! I never, I never thought about what the dumbest cop was." <laughs> I'm. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, yeah so moving on to rodrigo i can't believe they killed the only black character first like that's such a horror movie trope that i never thought a movie would do that for like 10 or 20 more years until we that wasn't a trope anymore yeah so it blew your fucking mind didn't oh that's what they were thinking they're like they think this Uh guy no dude no like what the fuck everyone Um, knows we're gonna be woke and make the black character the final survivor yeah, super woke Boom! movie with TJ Miller in it. Super woke. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I liked Rodrigo for what we got. Like, he said he watched a lot of anime. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, he clearly sacrificed himself by picking the helmet that was damaged first. I mean, I felt bad. It was like all his job in the beginning was just exposition, right? Like, Nora's pressing buttons, and he's like, if you don't figure out how to reroute this thing, then we won't be able to close the door. It's like, okay, thank you for... She knew that already. You're saying that for us. And then he sacrifices himself and blows up. And and, and then it's just all white people. Or I guess not all white people. One of them's not. But, like, really? Come on. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not a big fan of anime, so I was glad that he died. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking asshole. I'm right. just kidding. I like plenty of anime. That's the part you're kidding about. I like plenty of anime, and I'm glad he died. (laughs) Unrelated. Uh, You got anything else to say about Rodrigo? Yeah, no. um, I was definitely surprised that he was the first... I mean, the first real character to die. Obviously, we had those two people in the very beginning in the Godzilla sequence that that died. The Godzilla Um, 14 sequence where she closes the door on them? Like, exactly yeah. like the Godzilla 14 opening. Exactly like the Godzilla 14 <laughs> opening without the emotional uh, weight to it. And uh, also we had the flare shot where that's how we reveal Cthulhu. And that happens in Godzilla 2014 also. 
Oh, shit. Interesting. I didn't remember that. I definitely stole that mm. from Monsters vs. Men podcast. Shout out. I didn't notice that at first either, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, those two people don't count as characters because we don't know if they watched anime or not. <laughs> if they watched more anime, they might have figured out how to escape a giant monster, but no, they died. Yeah. Just like the other 300 people on the rig. <laughs> His character overall, though, was... Um, he was neat. He sacrificed himself. I, I, that's the... Sacrifice is the big concept of this movie. Yeah, it's hard to find a character who doesn't sacrifice themselves or doesn't try to. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if there's any character that does no. that. There isn't at least one that tries. I, I don't know if Paul sacrifices himself ever, but he definitely purposely goes into danger so others don't have to. Yeah, and he even, um, you know, it's it's not exactly sacrifice, but he sees that uh, that moon pie, and he hears Emily say, I love moon pies or whatever, and then he gives it to Smith and says, hey, you should give this to Emily, and that's like his last action before his death. So that, that was so confusing, though, because she picked up the moon pie, and then she left it behind, I guess, and then he found I, it. Yeah, but she mentioned how she likes moon pies, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I like them so much, I just throw them away. Yeah, but yeah, Rodrigo, he um, fucking exploded, and that was fucking uh, hilarious and awesome. It was a good death. <laughs> so let's move on to Paul, T.J. Miller's character. I mean, as usual... T.J. Miller was, like, made to be the comic relief, and he does a great job. His timing is amazing. It sucks that he... This was made in 2017, before he got, like, called out and dropped from all of his projects, and it's just a fucking... It sucks that he is a fucking asshole, because he's really great in this movie, and he's great in a lot of movies. I don't know. I thought he was funny in this. Uh, his character's obviously really brave, and he puts on the fucking punk SpongeBob SquarePants song, and that was <laughs> that was sick. It was, like... He's trying to be funny. He's trying to have fun, but he's also trying to get everybody pumped. Like he's a team player. That the line he makes to uh, Emily, where he's like, "They're like, okay, somebody's got to go down there," and Emily's like losing her mind. And he's like, "All right, Emily, time to shine." And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "I'm just kidding. I'm going, obviously." And like, just hold yeah. on to my fucking buddy. Uh, that was funny as hell. The it, you could tell the script was good too. You know, he's the kind of person I would be in the movie. I mean, I, just in general, I'm uh, uh, I'm horrible at taking things seriously. I've had multiple girlfriends in the past tell me that, just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why can't you take anything seriously? Because I'm always trying to crack a joke and trying to bring humor to a situation. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I, I, uh... Sorry, when I said in the movie, I'm asking... Are you Paul or are you T.J. Miller? I'm, uh, Paul. Okay, cool. That's why I was asking. I wanted clarity <laughs> on that. Thank you. God damn, you tried to trick me there. No, I tried to get you out of it. You kept digging. You are like, ah, both. So, I'm just... my girlfriends have had complaints. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm bad at taking things seriously. Totally. I'm always trying to crack a joke. Do you also it's, carry uh... a stuffed animal rabbit with you everywhere? No, I used to carry a uh, stuffed um, platypus, but that got lost. Maybe in the future, I'll start carrying a rabbit around with me. You, you fucking happy? 
did you know about how like this was supposed to be a the the stuffed animal was supposed to be a stand-in for a cgi rabbit so that he was supposed to be taking care of a real rabbit the whole time which makes so much more sense about why he's like passing it off and people are carrying it around but they just i think they just changed their minds wrong tell me oh okay i didn't know i had to go on that much death so what happened was they originally were filming it with a rabbit tj miller holding a rabbit and stuff and then in more extreme scenes they had him filming with a fake with a stuffed rabbit yeah but they told him you know this is uh is for safety reasons but pretend you're holding a rabbit but in reality they always had it intended to be a fake rabbit really they just wanted tj miller to uh treat it like a real rabbit to treat it like a real rabbit so it wow. seemed like he he really loved and cared for it that's really fucking funny i love that yeah and there's actually a shot at the end when they're putting um smith in the escape pod and they uh show a shot through the the, the little circular um glass uh and they have him holding the rabbit, and there's it's actually a shot where he's holding a real rabbit. Yeah, I heard that's... there was one more part with a real rabbit left in there. Yeah, but that's, uh, as far as I know, that's the only part with the real rabbit. Damn. So, Lil Paul the rabbit kind of plays into Paul's Alice in Wonderland thing got, he's got going on, you know? He's got the we're all mad here patch on his i think backpack he talks about how uh in the book alice cried so much she almost drowned and then he says the line if you don't know where you're going any road can take you there which i'm pretty sure is alice in wonderland but i'm not 100 percent yeah sure. it, it's a paraphrase from alice in wonderland okay one of the weird things about that is so they bring that up in the commentary and the first thing they bring up is in the very beginning, you see um, Nora by the bathroom doors, and the sign on the bathroom door has a, uh, I think it's a Queen of Hearts or a Queen of Diamonds on it. Mm. And they bring up, like, that's the first reference to, yeah, Alice in Wonderland. Queen of Hearts it would be if it's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. All right. But then all the other references have to do with uh tj miller's character well so but it's, it's... we know they work together so maybe he put that there yeah okay also, right. i didn't i didn't realize it till this moment but when she's in the bathroom the first sign that anything is wrong to her is that the mirror opens the looking glass opens oh shit wow 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 have you ever read Alice in Wonderland? I don't think I have. I always meant to. I liked it. Alright, I'll check it out. I was basically just reading it to find drug references at that point in my life, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Alright, moving on from Paul, what do you think of Cap? Cap, 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 Cap. Who? Cap. Oh, Captain. The only thing they call him in the whole movie is Cap. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a good character. I liked him. Um... He was uh he was the captain through and through. The, when they first find him, um he was in the the area where the escape pods were and um I mean wasn't the implication that he had uh 
he had heralded uh, other people to escape through the escape pods, right? Yeah, he let a bunch of people go, and he didn't go because he said the captain goes down with the ship. Nora says, like, why didn't you get in one? She doesn't say, like, why didn't... Like, you'd think he'd be like, because I wanted everyone else to live. But he doesn't say that, which is what makes me think they didn't think through the two people could fit in an escape pod. Because she's just uh-huh. like, why didn't you get in one? You know? Yeah. That annoys me. All he had to say is... That was a perfect time for the line. You know those escape pods can only hold one or blah, 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 blah happens. It's like, have you, have yeah. you seen that comedy, uh, Thank You for Smoking? I don't think so. It's fucking hilarious. I haven't watched it in forever, but it's hilarious. And they're like... I am pretty sure I have your DVD of it, but I don't think I've ever watched it. There's a, there's a scene where they're talking about this movie they're going to do in space, and then a cigarette company like sponsors it. And they're like, wait, if you, if you smoke a cigarette in space, won't you explode? Like, in the spaceship? And the person goes like, oh, it's an easy fix. We just say, oh, thank God we invented the whatever, whatever device. <laughs> and like, that's all we needed here. We just needed. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You can't do that. Anyway, back to Cap. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. What an asshole. He's a um, chill dude. He's a good guy. I mean, he comes up with the plan that saves their lives. He sacrifices himself twice before he dies. Throughout the entire movie, he's an uh, anarchist nightmare. Because uh, he shows that authority can be great. Right? Did you become a fucking ML in the time between our <laughs> Varan and this, man? You're an authoritarian communist now? Is this what's happening? Is this, hey, how, I'm, is this how I'm, I'm finding saying, out? Is this how I'm finding all out? All I'm saying I get the wall? is everything China does and has ever done is great. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> I think we'll talk about Cap later again when we get to some other themes, but let's move on to Emily. So Emily, I thought this actress did a really good job. I rec- She's the only other rec- uh, actor that I recognized other than Kristen Stewart. Um, she's in the Netflix Marvel show Iron Fist. And speaking of yeah, Fist, she loses her grip hard. Talking about dogs and shit. She's an interesting character because... Uh... She, in many ways, she was the weakest character, but she's also one of the stronger characters, which is kind of an interesting juxtaposition. She's the character that's freaking out the most, but she's also the character who ends up surviving to the very end, and uh, she carries the her love interest through. Um, her love interest, too, is the most uh, macho character in the movie yeah and I, I liked how like again this movie doesn't go that hard into human story at all but they give us a lot with a little and like mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about her my favorite thing about her is that she's losing her fucking mind right she's like what kind of dog do you have what and they're like we're trying to press a bunch of buttons on this fake thing to like save our friends like you need to chill <laughs> and she's like just saying a bunch of shit that like would drive me nuts if i was in a disastrous situation like them but then as soon as they bring out back that cephalopod it's like she clicks on because she's dealing with science and suddenly everybody else like oh what's this and she's like okay like she'd just been freaking out and she's like okay let's see and she's like poking around it and it freaks out and she's like i think i just touched a nerve like she's being very she's just suddenly like oh this is what this is where she thrives she's a scientist she thrives in in that environment and it's cool to just see that through this tiny scene you know good job emily what about smith I don't really know what to 
say about Smith other than that, like, he's dead weight and he knows it, so he keeps trying to stay behind, and that's admirable, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting character because on the the overview, it's like, he's the strong character, he's the he's the masculine strong entity, but uh, outside of he kills the um, squid beast that uh, shoots himself at TJ Mel's character. Outside of that, he's like uh, pretty useless and weak, and they he's basically dead weight that they have to carry along behind them, which was an interesting kind of uh, way to play his character. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I hadn't thought of it that way of like, we see this guy as being like, okay, this is the guy who'll protect us, and then, oh shit, we have to literally carry him. Um, because his oxygen mm-hmm. thing doesn't work. Yeah, fucking nerd. <laughs> Moving on to the filmmaking of the movie, directing. What do you got to say about the directing? Hey, William Eubanks, good job. I feel like there is awesome depth and scale in this whole movie. Like the opening shot, after all the like you know word vomit comes at you, there's just this long shot down the cylinder leading all the way down to the ocean floor that just shows you how fucking big this thing is we're dealing with and then gives you the vibe of like how big the thing destroying it must be or how powerful it must be. I already mentioned, but the whole movie being from Nora's perspective is fucking awesome. It was a good choice. And then like, to me, the portrayal of like claustrophobic situations worked really well like i think you probably didn't get this because like you said you didn't like fully watch it in like the correct setting but like there's tight crawl spaces the scene where like the elevator is going down into the water and then you like when we're going in the water we go inside nora's helmet and it's like the water's filling up around her and then it is a shot up of like the door closing like it makes me feel claustrophobic they did such a good job with that i i I feel like they knocked it out of the park with that they really did a good job of just, holy shit, this entire idea behind all this is fucking claustrophobic. Yeah. Just existing in this pressure that is just so intense that just just having uh, the smallest, you know, crack or whatever is just fucking immediate death. It's fully. Just... I mean, they're fucking deep underwater. I mean... The, the name of the movie being underwater is confusing until you think about this aspect. It's just like, you're underwater, dude. There's nowhere you can go. Yeah. You're deeper than anyone has ever been. Yeah. I mean, so many leagues. Uh, <laughs> so many fathoms, dude. I can't even fathom it. Yeah. I mean, who can? I felt like the music really added to that. What about you? Yeah, the music in this was uh, solid. Throughout the entire thing, it contributed to the atmosphere and uh, was perfectly suitable. I I really liked, like, all the music was really great. I really liked the glitchy, frantic music at times. But to me, the best musical moments were, like, when they would decide to use it. Not as much the music, but how they would decide to use it. Like, the opening is like that, I mentioned that shot going way down and you're outside the station, you're in the water. And it, it gives you this, like, horrific, terrible feeling of like this foreboding that something's gonna happen and then you cut to the inside of the hallway with Nora and the music just stops and it's like this artificial feeling of safety from the terror outside and then suddenly the walls cave in and that that terror comes back at you and it it just it really it helps take you on the ride yes 
Sweet. I'm glad you agree. Um, <laughs> should we move on to like the, the themes, the meaning, what this fucking movie's about? Drilling. No good. Drilling's bad. That's that's the whole movie. Drilling's bad. I mean, drilling gonna, in the ocean is bad. It's bad. You gonna you gonna unearth a Cthulhu, and then what you gonna do? You're I mean, the BP die. oil spill was worse than a Cthulhu. I don't even care what Cthulhu can do. Uh no, because the BP oil spill was Cthulhu just having tea. Oh, okay. I forgot and about that's that. That's what happens. That's what happens to Cthulhu has tea. That's why we gotta say Cthulhu, no more, no more Cthulhu. See, so, yeah, I I don't know if drilling was like a theme, but like fucking with the earth and fucking with things we don't understand was clearly a theme, right? Like, yeah, Emily has that line: "We did this. We drilled the bottom of the mm. ocean. We took too much, and now she's taking back." Which kind of remind me of Rodan again, you know? Yeah, and it kind of links to the idea that some of the monsters are human-like and they show those human head scans it's like it's almost like if you just if you don't look at it from like a lore perspective but just from like a symbolism perspective it's like the humans are part of the monster you know i am a monster yeah dude you're a fucking monster i've been trying to tell you that forever shit that hurts i'm sorry dude the truth hurts also, I like that we mentioned earlier that Emily, like, try, clings on to science. Science is, like, her ballast. It keeps her centered, you know? And um, she says, like, maybe we bored into a hydrothermal pocket. Maybe these, maybe that'll explain it. And, like, maybe that's true. Maybe that Cthulhu was below that. But really, it feels like this is some otherworldly thing. And she's trying to understand it through science. But it, it connects it all through, like, this, like, we shouldn't fuck with stuff we don't understand. Because... Things that we don't understand will happen. Like, we won't be able to explain it through science. Just, if we're doing things we don't understand, the understand the ununderstandable will kill us, you know? Yes. I also liked, um, one of the first shots is that spider inside the facility, and Nora's like, how'd you get in here? And, like, how did that spider get in there? Like, I feel like it was just trying to show us, like, these, these epic scientific facilities we use with the most forward-thinking technology are not impervious. A spider can figure out their way through. Like, you know what I mean? They actually, they mentioned this in the commentary, how that was a means of uh, showing that she was a sympathetic character where she didn't just kill this, uh, this spider, but she was interested in preserving it. But also, um, yeah, they mentioned how uh, it was uh, not a natural occurrence for a spider to exist, you know, in this man-made creation under the sea. Yeah, like, how the fuck did it get there? It didn't come from the water. Apparently, originally, they were like, maybe it should be a moth, because that was a big... Guillermo del Toro was a big influence on uh, William Eubanks. And so a moth was uh, more suitable to his uh, Totoro influence, I guess. Wait, Totoro? Okay, I mean, what what Guillermo de Toro movies have moths? I don't know, but they mentioned that. <laughs> okay, gotcha. they mentioned that when they were discussing that open. I mean, scene. to be fair, the only one I've seen recently is Pacific Rim. It's been forever since I've seen Pan's Labyrinth, and I can't remember. Yeah, what else I've seen so yeah. 
I don't think I've seen Pain's Labyrinth since it was in theaters. And uh, same. Yeah, the only other one I've seen since is uh, Kronos and the first Pacific Rim. For sure. So, um, another theme that you've mentioned quite a few times that we've we've brought up is uh, sacrifice. But I don't really have anything else to say about it. Do you? Hey, sacrifice. Don't do it unless it's for me. Fair point. So another thing brought up in the movie a couple times is the concept of time. Like the opening lines are something like... A couple times. Nice times. I said times when talking about time. Nice. Yeah. Um, Nora's opening lines are something like... I remember the first thing he told me is that he didn't believe in time, only moments. He was a glass half full kind of person. I prefer it empty. I can't dissect that whole line because it's confusing and it doesn't make sense to me but there is this ongoing idea of like when you're this dark deep underwater when you can't see like uh i guess rodrigo brings up oh i was the night shift or like i was the day shift you must be the night shift which is like what the fuck does that mean when you're thirty six thousand feet <laughs> fucking feet underwater um and it, it just like a lot of the themes in this movie, it doesn't really go anywhere, but one of the things, one of the places it does go is Cap talking about, they ask how, uh, Emily asks how old Cap's daughter is, and he says 14, and then Nora's like, she's not 14, she's gotta be my age, and he's like, who said 14? I didn't, I, oh shit, I don't know why I said that, and then we go to his locker and see a memento from when she was 14, and it's almost like Cap was like in his grief, in his trauma like regressing to the last time he saw his daughter is my guess my assumption was that his daughter died at the age of 14 and that's why he was uh fixated on that but there's no real kind of uh explanation or anything they kind of give to us to to really determine what the case is true true but yeah the time thing as uh i i definitely when i first watched this movie and I thought it was going to have themes that carried throughout. And Nora said, like, I remember the first thing he said to me was that I don't believe that he doesn't believe in time. I was like, this is going to be an anarcho-nihilist movie. I was so stoked. And then it just kind of got dropped forever. That's all I have to say about that. You got anything else about time? Time? It's a flat circle. Two more themes we have written here. One of them is grief. Everybody's fucking grieving. Nora's fiance, Cap's daughter... There's a lot of grief, but I don't I don't have much to say about it. What about you? Yeah, grief sucks. I don't like it. Yeah. No. No, no, no. Then we probably shouldn't talk about it. No. Okay. Um okay, my favorite theme. My favorite Hey everybody. This is the first ever grief free kaiju podcast. <laughs> Deal with it. Take that to the bank and fucking sell it. Wait. Okay, so <laughs> my favorite theme or, or recurring thing throughout is the all of the things coming out, like the posters and the intercoms of the corporation they're working for, uh, basically the failure and facade of corporate safety protocols and of just the general corporate attitude. Oh um, my god, and like the, they're just like... We need to deal with this shit, and then there's just the fucking recordings going on, like, please, if you have any complaints, report to your officer. Kion Industries is a great industry, and you should love it. We Um, want you to know that you're not just part of our team, you're part of our family, as, like, bodies are fucking exploding. Yeah. 
uh, the poster yeah. while Nora's alone that says, the buddy system works. Working alone is against company policy. And there's, like, two people in a canoe on it. And, like, Nora's just alone trying to save everyone's lives. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that made me angry. I feel like that was, like, the strongest political or like thematic angle of the movie was just like we can't trust corporations to go 36,000 fucking feet down in the ocean and drill like what the fuck are we thinking like even the closing credits yeah. are like the company denies access to employees for interviews won't share the info on what happened the footage is gone they're resuming drilling anyway like it felt like secretly an anti-corporate movie you know yeah for sure that's where uh, Elon Musk's gonna be you think Elon Elon's going under the ocean? He seems bored, so yeah. I mean, he's bored because he keeps using these boring machines. <laughs> All right, concluding thoughts. Dumb cop of the week. I'm just gonna give it to these corporate fucks. Whoever whoever wrote that shit, you know, whoever designed the posters, whoever wrote the intercom. That's the closest thing we have to a cop here. What do you think? Yeah, I'll agree with you. Otherwise, I was just going to say it was you. <laughs> Fuck you. You feel bad man. about yourself. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I, I I changed it, and I said, all right. yes, whatever you said. All right, all right. All right, Charlie, what, what do you rate this movie? I will say this movie takes place 36,000 feet under the sea. Who knows how many leagues... Who knows how many fathoms. Uh, So I will say I rate it 30,000 feet. And you know I had to do it to you because you were so sweet in choosing a movie based on my love of Lovecraft. So I grant it 30,069 feet. That extra 69, because you're a sweetheart, and gave it to me. Thank you, Charlie. I am honored. I thought this movie was pretty good. It's fun. It doesn't hold up to, like, a harsh criticism or whatever, but it's fun. It gets its job done, and Cthulhu's fucking sick in it. So, I'm gonna give this movie two underwaters. I respect that. Cool. Um, Charlie, do you have any, uh, by any chance, by any chance, do you have any reading recommendations for us before we, uh, say goodbye? So, film recommendations. I want to recommend the Stuart Gordon and Brian Usna's cycle of Lovecraftian shit. They wanted to do kind of like a similar idea behind, uh, uh, Corman slash, uh, Corman's idea behind, um, Poe's uh, influence, so they wanted to do a Lovecraftian version of that. So Stuart Gordon and Brian Usna, they did uh, Reanimator, From Beyond, Dagon, Dagon, uh, Castle Freak, and then they did a episode of Masters of Horror based on Dreams and the Witch House. And then Brian Usna, who was a producer in all those, he also directed... Uh, Bride of Reanimator and Beyond Reanimator, and he did a uh, Necronomicon where he directed one uh the overall story segment and um one individual segment, and another person who directed seg a segment on that was uh 
Shinsuke Kaneko, who would go on to direct, do you know who? Do you know what? No. Do you know what? No. He he would go on to direct the uh, Gamera trilogy, as well as oh, uh, nice. GMK. Oh, yeah. wow. How cool. Yeah. So he directed um, a Lovecraft story in this uh, anthology. Hell yeah. Um, I also want to recommend, music-wise, uh, Rudimentary Peni's uh, album, Cacophony. Their lead singer-slash-guitarist, Nick Blinko, was a... Or, he is a... Uh, he has a schizoaffective disorder, and he, um, he has uh, problems with um, the reality he has around him, I guess. I, I don't know how to politely say it, but... Um, he kind of uh, lets full loose on his, the album Cacophony, where it really he really goes full on in a Lovecraftian territory, where he'll recite stories. He'll do he does he does tons of different voices, where he he quotes critics of Lovecraft, he quotes Lovecraft himself, he does different stories of Lovecraft, and he just jumps in between non-stop um it's a really great punk album uh i cannot recommend it enough also want to recommend some writers like uh junji ito um his uh the manga he's a manga japanese manga artist who does uh lots of love crafting and influence stuff um i highly recommend his uh series uzumaki and uh, Thomas Ligotti, who's another one of my famous writers. Um, one of my favorite writers. And I highly recommend checking him out. In a Lovecraftian vein, but uh, without all the racism. And a guy who's uh, pretty legit. Hell yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. Um, you can find us on all of your podcatchers, as you already know, because you're listening to us already. So, like, just rate us already on there. Like, I know you're hearing this, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Just do it. Just rate us. Just do it. We believe in you. Also, you can find us on Twitter at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com, which I just realized I haven't checked in, like, a month. That's all I got. 